Hi guys, it's Tats here from Castagra, and you're listening to Specify, the Building Materials Coding and Construction Podcast. The goal of this podcast is to help the entrepreneurs, the difference makers, and the game changers in the building materials, coatings, and construction industry. Today's guest is Stephanie Chizik, Editor-in-Chief of Coding Pro Magazine and NACE Digital News. I've worked with Stephanie in, through Coding Pro, and she's always been extremely helpful and very good at her job. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. So, Stephanie, before we dive into some questions, I know you just came back from a, a vacation. I saw the photos roll in through Instagram, and it looked amazing. Can you tell me a little bit about your trip? Yeah, I took a week off, which I don't usually do very frequently, but <laughs> this year's just been in- intense with the amount of of work we've been doing as far as trade shows. Of course, it's trade show season right now. And we just hired a new editor too, so onboarding her. So took a little time off, went to the Dominican Republic. The weather was amazing. I read three books. It was wow. the perfect, just sort of, I know, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah, someone actually, one of my coworkers said, oh, what are you going to do? And I was like, oh, I just, I just want to read. I don't even care if it's raining. Of course, I'd prefer it to be sunny. But, and he said, isn't that what you do for your job? You want to read more on vacation? I was like, oh, you don't get it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I guess that the, mm-hmm. it goes well with your position. And your, I mentioned a bit about NACE. Now, I know that not everyone knows what NACE is. I, I do. But maybe can you just give us a little background on NACE just so that people have some context? Yes. So NACE is an organization that's based out of Houston, Texas. We have offices around the world as well. And then I actually work from my home out of, out of, Bo- out of Boston, out of Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about tired. And we're, we're the Worldwide Corrosion Authority. So basically, we try to work with people on ways to mitigate corrosion in different industries. So Coatings Pro is part of that in that high-performance coatings is, is one way to mitigate corrosion on roofs, on steel substrates like pipelines or ship hulls, and then also on concrete like wastewater clarifiers or even actually on the exterior of buildings if you think about like an air barrier or a vapor barrier. Absolutely. It's definitely very important. Now, coatings is very, and coatings and other sort of corrosion mitigation technology is very complicated, but you you weren't always in this area, right? I mean, I, I think you came from a different background. Can you tell us a little bit about your background before you came into NACE? Yes, you're right. So I actually, I don't have a background in corrosion, which is actually one of the first questions a lot of people ask me if, if I have either the background, the technical background or the editing background. I have the latter of the two. So I have my master's in creative nonfiction writing and started out in a different trade publication in the construction industry, maybe like 10 years ago now, lost my way for a few years in the defense contracting world, and Mm. then came back into the publishing world with Codings Pro Magazine. So I've been here now for six years, actually, I just had my six year anniversary. Wow, that's fantastic. And obviously, you come from a different background. So how did it sort of go for you? I mean, you're, you're transitioning. I know there's tons of technical information to absorb to to be able to sort of take that and put that into what you do. Well, how did that sort of onboarding or how did that sort of transition period look like for you? Yeah, I mean it's 
I'm still learning new things every day. I think because I don't have that technical background, which is, I should say, common in the publishing industry, I think as an editor, you can pick up pretty much any sort of lingo or vernacular. You just It's just a matter of, of kind of learning what that is. And then also it's key to, to know who to reach out to to kind of help. So we have a technical editor who reads all of our feature stories to make sure that everything is kosher just because I've never worked on a job site with codings. And so I can pick up the language. Definitely took a while to kind of understand, you know, the acronyms and the shorthand, something as simple as a roofing square. Not everyone understands that that's not necessarily a one by one actual square foot. So that's, those are the kinds of things that we're just, we're learning as we go. Another example is I was just working with our our staff writer. You can't just say something was applied at 16 mil thickness. You have to say it was an average of 16 mil thickness or a range of 14 to 16. So those are the kind of things that kind of pick them up along the way, put them in our back pocket and and use them when we need to. So Yeah, that's a very good example. Definitely for us we've moved from we move across a few different industries and applications for coatings and I yeah, it's definitely night and day in some of those different verticals. So I, I can sympathize with your sort of sort of having to deal with all that information. Now, well, you've been at this sort of publishing and editing game and, and all this other stuff for a while now. Was there sort of a, a turning point in your life and your career where you sort of kind of came together for you? I mean, you, I think you're, you're sort of comfortable and you've, you've gotten pretty good at what you do, but when did it come together for you? I think that well, first of all, I'm still trying to get it all to come together. I feel like, you know, <laughs> well, yeah. I think I'm good at my job, but I, I wake up every day trying to do better than I did yesterday, which I think most of us do. But I guess when I got this position, like I said, about six years ago, it sort of all clicked into place. I'd worked with the same team before. So knowing that I was coming back to kind of a safe environment where I was able to do what I do best was really helpful. And then like you kind of just said, codings is just a really complicated world. And to do with roofing and steel and concrete, you know, it's just kind of, it's a lot to absorb. So I think that it really was kind of a moment where I had to just say, okay, look, I'm good at the editing part. We have a staff writer who's really great at writing. We have a technical editor, you know, just kind of putting all of the pieces together. And I would say when I really felt like I got in the groove with maybe three years ago when people started coming to me for not advice, but sort of, hey, Stephanie, what are the trends going on? What do you see that's happening in the industry? It's kind of a, an aha moment of, oh, yeah, because I do talk to all these contractors. I, I go to all these trade shows. And so I am, of course, I don't know everything, but I'm a lot more able now to be able to be a conduit for that information, to receive it, kind of filter it, and then hopefully get it out to our readers in a variety of fashions. So I think this job has really kind of helped take me to the next level professionally as far as my skills. That's awesome. I like that, you know, getting that external feedback, right? It's one thing to know that you've gotten there, but it's also good to get that sort of outside feedback, right? Where you're people are coming to you for information. Now, the perfect segue to my next thing is, I'm going to ask you, what are the trends you see out there in the coatings and corrosion area? So right now, I feel like there's definitely 
a trend toward, well, I mean, it's already happened towards being environmentally friendly or sustainable. Yeah. You can see that kind of across the board, the use of, of low VOCs or reflective roof coatings within like the marine industry, I would say, you know, the anti-fouling coatings have now changed. We're not using lead paint, obviously, anymore. That stopped, I think, in the late 60s, early 70s. So, But with that comes a trade-off as far as price, I think, from what I understand, and also longevity, perhaps. So I think kind of taking all of those into account, that seems to be one trend. I feel like no one has really said this to me, but especially just trying to get a hold of the contractors in the field, mm-hmm. people are so busy with <laughs> so much work now. Obviously, our the economy is back to booming, which is amazing. But mm-hmm. I think what people maybe don't also think about with that is, okay, well, the industry is booming. That's great. They all have these jobs to do, but they've got now no time for anything else because there's a labor shortage with that and just kind of I'm getting the feeling there's there is no balance anymore there's no home life balance it's it's kind of all work all the time mm-hmm. particularly because we're coming off of a not great economy so I think it's kind of it it feels like okay well we don't know how long this is going to last so let's do as much work as we can now again I I'm getting that information just by talking to people at trade shows and yeah. you know, during my office day, but with the good comes some of the bad, you know, it's interesting. There's a yin and yang to it. Yeah. It's interesting. You're, you're talking about sustainability and trade-offs, right? Because I feel like some areas that there's, there isn't a trade-off, like there's, there's an improvement, but yeah, there's definitely areas where, you know, the really toxic stuff in certain areas still work better. I mean, they're getting regulated out and then they're okay. sort of being replaced with stuff that doesn't quite work as well yet. And like you said, the price is a little bit higher still. But there are some areas where the, the price and the performance seems to match up. So I'm hopeful that there's more innovation that sort of fills those areas. And, and you mentioned anti-fouling. I think anti-fouling definitely has some work to do <laughs> to, to get up yeah. to where it <laughs> to be. So that's perfect. I think they all kind of, the 60s are at this point ages ago, but yeah, it takes. I think it just takes so much time and getting it out there in the field to see what works and what doesn't work or how you can tweak it. Lead coatings are still on bridges because they worked. They haven't needed to be replaced yet or, or recoded, I guess I should say. I'm not advocating for lead by any means, but yeah. I just mean there, I think yeah. a lot of times there is that trade off. And then the other thing, too, another component of that is think about it from the architect or engineer's point of view yeah. also, where all of these new things are coming out. They don't know if they work. So should they put them on the spec? Shouldn't they? Their name's on the line, too. So it's definitely kind of a domino effect. Yeah, definitely. It's <laughs> with, with Crojan, the stakes are pretty high. So mm-hmm. even if you had a very large company that ran a few hundred lab test, it's still a new product, right? There's still a bunch of unknowns. So they need to see five, 10, some applications, 20 years of field history to, to feel comfortable with it. So mm-hmm. definitely that's that barrier in, in those sort of high liability industry for sure. Yeah. I just, I was just gonna say, I just read a book about Theranos 
and was listening to a podcast about it and kind of the implications of it. it you just what you just said reminded me of that. It's different when someone can just push out something technology wise that it's like a cell phone and there's bugs. It's not a what are the implications of that or that you have a, a consumer who's not happy. But if you push something out that has to do with people's health, yes then the implications are so much higher. You can't just push it out with bugs. So it's kind of the same, I think, with corrosion. It's it's not a health situation, but it, it certainly could be if you think about it from the standpoint of a bridge corroding or something like that. Absolutely, or containment or something like containment area or something like that. So definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one of the things you guys do very well through your work with the Coding Pro is you guys are great at telling applicator or contractor stories. Well, thank I mean, you. Great case studies. What's the key components of a, a great story? I mean, you, you look at so many. Have you published so many over the years? Yeah, I would say probably two things. One is the person who's writing it, I think, really makes a big difference. People always say to us, oh, I don't have anything exciting to tell you. We, don't, we haven't worked on any big projects this year or any number of reasons why they don't think that their story is quote unquote good enough for Codings Pro. And it's, it's not about that. It's we want a successful project to be able to tell the story and then we'll be able to write it in a way I think that, that the reader can feel like they're on the job site with the contractor, which is, which is our goal. So I think that's one thing is kind of getting the right people writing it. But I also think the other part of it is I've listened to all of your episodes and you actually are you're a really good interviewer it's a skill that not everyone has and I think it's really important to let the person you're interviewing talk so a lot of times people who do the interviewing end up telling their story which is fine if that's what the goal of the story is but the goal for us is to tell the contractor's story so when we can get them to kind of open up and start telling us you know just ask, you have to dig a little bit deeper sometimes with people who are maybe a little bit more hesitant to talk. But yeah, I think just getting them to kind of explain what they did. And when you start explaining things, I think the contractors start to realize like, oh yeah, we did have a little bit of a challenge with, <laughs> I don't know, moisture in the concrete or, yeah. or there were a lot of trades on the job site. That was interesting. We had to coordinate with that really heavily, those kinds of things. So Yeah, it's great because I know some of our customers have submitted stuff. And I think the way you guys write it and you pull out the relevant information, it kind of gives the contractor confidence, right? I mean, maybe they didn't think that, like you said, it was nothing exciting. But once you pulled it out and turned it into a great story with, with photographs, that it gives them a sense of confidence. I mean, have you found that firsthand? I, I've sort of certainly experienced that. Yeah, I think so. It's my goal as at least the editor, to make every contractor look like the hero. We don't want to tell a salacious story. We want to tell the positive the positive and successful stories that are going on in our industry. So, yeah, I get a lot of feedback, which is one of the best parts of my job is <laughs> receiving those. I mean, who doesn't like a good kudos? Mm-hmm. Oh, you did a really good job of pulling out the story and I want to buy 10 copies. I want to share it. Those are the best ones where they want to share the story with all of their friends and family because they're excited to be on the cover or something like that. So I like it. It's a good job. Mm -hmm. So one of the important things about a great story or a case study is that attention grabbing headline. And you guys fight with that all the time. So what are the tips of having a great headline? Oh, man, that's something I struggle with. (laughs) 
We, I think we, everyone I think, struggles with, right? At some level, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I think it's constantly changing, too, if you think about SEO and that kind of thing. So, or clicks or what have you. I guess I would say one of the biggest tips that I have to constantly remind myself of, because, I mean, there's only so many ways you can talk about coding or use a, a headline for coding. Yeah. You want to be able to portray in six to eight words, maybe, what the project is at the very least meaning is it a roof or a wastewater plant or a pipeline or something like that so you can give the reader an idea of what they're reading my trouble is i start getting a little bit too kind of cheeky i guess where i think i'm i'm being clever but then it loses something in translation so if it's too clever then it's not going to resonate with anyone well, anyone other than myself, <laughs> I should say. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you have some sort of a sounding board process. Do you have that? Like kind of with your group or how, how does that work? Or, or do you just kind of step away from it and come back to it? Do you have sort of a process? Yeah, I think of all of those things. So I only write one of the feature stories in each issue. And I think that kind of allows me to have a little bit of a distance to the project and the story itself since I'm not the one writing it. So all of our writers suggest their own titles first. And then when they send it to me and I edit it, I have a chance to kind of say, okay, well, what is that? What is this saying? Am I going to, you know, do I understand just from this little snapshot what the story is going to be about? Do I want to read more? And then we have another chance when it goes into the actual proof of the magazine. There's just something about seeing it on paper as opposed to mm-hmm. on your computer screen that really does make a difference. And how can you? maybe boil it down to just the bare minimum of what this title is going to be for what's the project about or what have you, especially for like our, our cover plugs where we're talking about what's going to be in the issue itself. Yeah. You know, those have to be really short. So it's, it's interesting to kind of, to try to kind of work those down. And I will say going to trade shows is really helpful because I can talk one-on-one with our readers. One of the ones we did recently that, was in the January issue. I can't remember the name of the title itself, but legalizing marijuana right now is a huge topic of discussion in the industry and how that's affecting contractors. If you think about anyone working at Heights, for example, I mean, it's a huge liability, huge safety concern. And so that was one of our, even just the word marijuana on the cover of our magazine, people just kept, oh, oh, you got an article about that. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, we're trying to talk about what you guys are talking about. So, you know, just even seeing those key words, I think is helpful. Yeah. And you're, you're always good at you sort of engaging people at trade shows, right? You come around and you talk to people. And I guess it keeps you in touch with the audience. Absolutely. I mean, that is the main way that we're able to talk to our audience in person. I mean, we talk on the phone all the time when you're interviewing or reaching out for projects. But there's just something about being able to hear about what are your pain points? What are your successes? What's going on in the industry? What trends are they seeing? Those kinds of things. Attending the same sessions, like the education sessions at trade shows, I think is also really good. We have a common kind of knowledge then at that point to be able to talk about it. So yeah, those are, I mean, they're invaluable for me to be able to go to those trade shows, talk to our readers and potential readers. (laughs) That's awesome. Now, you've come across lots of stories. Now, what are some of the most memorable contractor stories that kind of stick out in your head, just in the general sense? Can you sort of 
can you tell any of them or can you remember any of them that yeah. kind of sticks out? Yeah. You know, I was just thinking about one this morning, actually, that was so random. It was a house that was built like a pyramid. I want to oh. say it was in California. I mean, I wrote the story 10 years ago when I, yeah. I had my other job. And it was insulated with spray polyurethane foam. And then on top of that, I want to say they probably put like a, a polyurea or something sure. to cover the, from the, the sun, the UV rays. And the guy who I was interviewing, the guy who owned the house, and he was convinced that the shape of the pyramid made his bananas stay ripe longer. And it was just <laughs> like, I remember putting the phone down. This is when I lived in San Diego. So I had a, mm. I was in the San Diego office with Codings Pro and I put the phone down and I turned to my coworker and I was just like, you will never believe what this guy just said. <laughs> <laughs> That was a funny one. I also just recently wrote one. It's coming out in the March issue, so a little bit of a sneak peek, but sure. it's already it's already going to print anyway, so it's oh no, it's out. It's halfway through March. In the magazine world we have to live two months ahead at least, so I'm already in, in the May lifetime. Right yeah. Now. But the other one we just wrote I wrote one about a guy in Canada in British Columbia and he was on this really remote job site so remote that in the summertime they don't have they don't have roads there was no way to get the, anything up there because it's basically in the middle of sort of like a swampland okay and so they had to plan 6 months ahead to be able to truck up all of their materials on an ice road which i've heard of ice roads but i mean i'm in baltimore so i don't you know i've never seen yeah. that before and then when summertime came around they just took a helicopter to the job site every day. So that was their commute every morning, which I just, that to me is just fascinating that you can, there's places in the world that are so completely different than, than where most of us, I think, live. It's just fascinating that people get to see those areas. Yeah. And I'm always inspired by the field applied contractor because they have to solve so many problems, right? Because, oh, yeah. you know, for us as a manufacturer, it's like, okay, mix this and mix this and it should work. But then, there's all these sort of things that they have to deal with, right? That are unexpected. And I love the way they sort of solve those problems. And, and I guess that, that's one of the things you guys feature with your contractor awards, right? Is that creative problem solving. Can you tell us a little bit about your contractor awards? Yeah, I would be happy to. So we started that three years ago. It's our third doing it. It's, it was a way for us, or is a way rather, for us to be able to really recognize some of the contractors who are out there, like you said, in the field, doing their job successfully, kind of being innovative when they can or need to, hopefully saving money for their clients if they can. You know, if you think about like a a white roof or something like that, the air conditioning should go down as far as the, the fees. Yeah. At least that's what a lot of people say but yeah i mean so we have six different categories it's funny you should ask me about it today because i just finished putting together the presentation for the award ceremony next week oh which we're having at the we have it annually at the corrosion show so this year it's in nashville so it's kind of fun to have the contractors fly in and accept their awards and bring their families and it's really exciting it's just i think it's a really great way to be able to recognize these guys who they probably just think well, I'm just doing my job. This is what I do. But it is really, it's remarkable what 
what they have to do in the field. I mean, they're chemists at the end of the day. A lot of times, they have, yeah. like you said, they have, there's a part A, there's a part B. They've got to mix, mix them together at the right speed, the right temperature, and then get it down. The, you know, it's it's there's just so much going on. It's it's fascinating, and it's really great to be able to tell people about their stories. Yeah, I saw a video. I think you guys recorded. I think one of the is it last year's, and I I saw it online, mm-hmm. and I saw the contractors come up and accept their award and they're happy. I mean, they're posing for cameras and I don't know if, you know, some of these contractors get this opportunity in other, other areas. And for you guys to do that, that's uh, that's fantastic. I just look, I was looking at the video and I saw the smile on their face and I thought it was great. Yeah. And we'll be doing the same thing. So we do a live feed on our Facebook page. So that'll be happening next Wednesday, at 12 PM Eastern time. So yeah, we, we try to, get the word out there. We feature them in the magazine too, kind of do a write up on it and try to do a really good splash for them. And yeah, it is, it's really great. They are so excited and as they should be. So it's just nice to be a part of that. So you talked about uh, streaming it, I guess, through Facebook and stuff like that. Are you guys going to start doing more of that? I mean, I know video is a big thing, especially with LinkedIn Live coming up and other platforms doubling down on video. Are you guys going to move in that direction? Yeah, we're definitely putting together kind of not a strategy, but just sort of who can who can do it, who can work on that sort of thing. It is one of those really great ways of connecting with our readers. I think social media gets a bad rep a lot of times because it can be sort of a tumultuous place. <laughs> but it is also a really at its base, it's supposed to connect you with people who maybe aren't near you. And and so we actually can use social media a lot um, to connect with contractors on what projects they're working on or what's coming up. We just ran a story in the January issue, actually. I just happened to see this guy's post on LinkedIn. He, he's on there all the time, kind of just little snapshots of the projects that his crews are working on. And so I reached out and said, hey, this could be a really good, great fit for Codings Pro. And, and he knew who we were. So I mean, it was kind of, it was an easy sell, so to speak. but. But yeah, I mean, video would be great to do more of that. I've also been trying with our staff writer whenever we go to trade shows to kind of, similar to how we write stories, we want the person to feel like they're on the job site with the contractor. Well, we want them to feel like they can be at the conference or or expo with us too, even if they can't be there in person. So we've been taking videos at World of Concrete. That's always a, a big one that people are excited to see. There's competitions that they have outside or, or new products that are coming out. It's kind of a nice way to share with our readers. Hey, here's what's coming up. Here's what's going on. So yes, definitely more videos. I think more interaction in general, hopefully is kind of coming down the pike from Codings Pro as far as on social media platforms, a variety of them. Just another avenue to hear what's going on in, um, on the job sites. Yeah, definitely. So you get to see lots of the different contractors, how they approach their business or their application. Like from your point of view, what are the opportunities? Maybe they're marketing opportunities or um, other opportunities for contractors. I mean, obviously they can work with you, and get their stories out through your channels. But what are the other opportunities you see? Like what advice would you give the contractor community? I think the biggest piece is, so a lot of these guys are mom and pop shops or small contracting firms. Mm -hmm. And I think from what I understand, as your company grows, it goes from one man or woman sort of 
wearing all hats. You kind of have to, right? If you own the business, you have to be the marketer. You have to do the contracts. You probably have to teach your crew how to actually do the coatings and all of those things. But as the companies grow, I think outsourcing or hiring people to help with those positions, I guess maybe what I'm saying is knowing when to ask for help, I think is a huge one that we no one person can do everything. And I think it's really probably very hard when you've started your company from scratch to know when it is that you need to start asking for help, meaning an outside expert. So you can outsource phone answering service companies. You can outsource a person who can like help physically set up your business, your office, who knows how filing systems should work or those kinds of things. You can outsource, obviously, a PR company or marketing company who can kind of help get maybe your website together which a lot of people still don't have, which I find fascinating. You know, it's, I know that word of mouth is still very much alive and is great, but it's also, we're so deep into the internet at this point where just to have even a page that has your phone number or email on it, I think would be maybe a picture of your face so that when you show up at someone's house or commercial company, you know, they know who you are, that kind of thing, I think would be really helpful. Yeah, definitely. Every little bit helps, right? Anything that helps you sort of scale your efforts. So, I mean, let's see. You read a lot of books. Who who inspires you? Like, it could be a colleague of sort of a public figure. Like, where, where do you sort of draw inspiration for you? Is it anything to do with the books that you read? I think this is such a trite answer, but my mom owns her own business, I guess, still. She's technically retired, but works from home almost my whole life, owns her own business. She's a project manager. I get a lot of advice and inspiration from her. Not that anyone does anything perfectly, but I think, you know, she's a really good sounding board for me when I'm having troubles or challenges. And if I need suggestions, she's a good person. I do get a lot from reading books. Mostly, I think I just get to escape, which is great. Even reading nonfiction books, it's kind of nice to just check out for a few hours every day or every week or what have you. Give my brain a rest. I read way more than I watch television. And I think it's just because it it's my way of giving myself a chance to to start over, kind of check out for a few hours. That's awesome. I like that. And I think I know you sort of work remote and you Coordinate mm-hmm. with other your teammates remote. Is that sort of correct? Yes. We have a few team members who are at our headquarters in Houston, but most of the people on my specific team do work remotely from their own homes or from the small San Diego office or or what have you. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. You know, I, I'm always fascinated with the remote because a lot of our team is spread out as well. And, you know, my question to you is how do you what do you do to keep things effective? Because obviously if you're in the same room together there's certain advantages of everyone being in the same place but how do you mm-hmm. how do you keep things organized how do you keep the collaboration uh, going when when it's remote you're absolutely right i mean i think there are definitely things that we miss out on because we work remotely you, you can't just turn to the person next to you and say hey oh by the way or you also what i've recently been realizing is you can't hear the conversations that other people have which is on the one hand good because there's I'm not a part of any gossip, really. (laughs) But but on the other hand, it's 
kind of harmful in the sense of if I heard someone else talking about anything that I might need to know about, I'm, I'm not going to hear it that way. So it's definitely there's a challenge, but we really rely heavily on we use instant messenger through Skype. So that's really helpful. It kind of, I feel like it keeps us much more familiar with each other. It doesn't have to be so formal. Even emails, I feel like sometimes can be a little bit, you feel like you have to give maybe an, I don't know, hey, Tats, how's it going? You know, <laughs> you, you don't have to do that with, <laughs> with IM. So yeah. that's really helpful. We also have regular meetings. I'm not a person who likes to have meetings. So we definitely try to meet on a regular basis in concentric circles. So one-on-one with either our direct reports or the person you're reporting to, I think that's crucial. We, we do that pretty much every other week. And then as the circle gets bigger, we have a meeting regularly with our editorial team. And then if you put the circle bigger one more time, we have a meeting with, we call our cross publications meeting. So we're not the only magazine at, at NACE. We also have Materials Performance, which is the membership publication. Yes. Codings Pro. Corrosion Journal, which is a scientific journal. And we have a books. She's not an editor, technically. I don't think that's her title. But she's, for all intents and purposes, she's a project manager for all of the books that come out of coding or out of um, NACE. Sorry. And then we're also now doing, like you said, the, the industry online issues so those are maritime and water the water and wastewater industries so if you think about with all those product lines yes collaboration is key so we we meet on a regular basis as well just to say hey what's going on is there anything that you're doing in materials performance that maybe we could sort of dovetail or even repurpose it in some way in codings pro is there anything going on at headquarters that we need to know about, any sort of news or corrosion trends or what have you. So those regular meetings, I think, are really, they're really key to keep the communication line open. That's interesting. And so there's lots of documents moving around and being altered and stuff like that. How do you keep track of that? Or do you have certain people that are assigned to, to control sort of the versions and the feedback that are coming in? Yeah. So Part of my job is basically to kind of be the keeper, I guess. And ah. so it does go. So, for example, let's say a contractor, we, I've worked with a contractor to gather what I call a project package. So we're, we're considering this project for a feature story in, in the magazine. Let's say it's for the flooring theme. Yeah. And if our team accepts that particular project for the feature story, then I assign it to one of our freelance writers or our staff writer, or I write it myself. And like I said, we also just recently hired an editor as well. So she'll be absorbed into this process in in some capacity. But for right now, I assign the story, then they write it. So when it comes back, it has to go through a very specific process. So it comes back to me, I edit it, give it kind of a once over as far as, does this make sense? I'm really the filter as far as if I don't understand what you're talking about, then we need to go back and get more information because the reader's going to have probably the same questions that I'm going to have. Let's make sure we answer all of those. And also just for content, not all of our writers might remember to, like we said before, you can't just say 16 mils, you have to give a range or what have you. So I try to fill in for some of those things, which by the way, I've learned from our technical editor. So it's <laughs> not it's not like I just came up on that my own with that. And then from there, it goes to 
a copywriter. She reads it for grammar, comes back through me. I send it to our technical editor. He reads it, obviously, to make sure it's technically accurate, comes back through me again. And then right now, our group publisher, she reads it as well. That will probably be changing as well. She reads it more from like a, a business standpoint. And then we put it in the magazine. So a lot of people see every article that goes in Coding wow. Pro. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's a big process. I knew it was a big process because I know that there's lots of things to consider with your, with your publication. So that's, uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's very interesting. Now, for contractors that's trying to, trying to reach out and trying to get their story through you guys, what's the process? For us, we basically just need any high-res photos of the project. So we're really known for telling the story in three ways. We write the story itself, we tell the story in photos, and then we also kind of give a snapshot of the story in what we call a job at a glance. So that way, if not everyone reads the same way, if you don't want to sit there and read a 1,500-page article and in one sitting, then you can get the gist of it from either the photos or the job at a glance. That's that's sort of the theory. So, and we've actually we've gotten a lot of good response to that. So I guess it's a it's a theory in practice. <laughs> so we really just need the photos and sort of a project overview. We have a questionnaire that we have everyone fill out, and then once we have that, we either accept it for a future story in print or online, and then we'll complete an interview. So in total, I would guess, maybe I don't know, let's say two hours of time. It's really not, it's not as much as I think as people think it would be. It's a half an hour interview at the end. And then let's say it takes an hour and a half to kind of gather all of those photos and the project information. So we hopefully do most of the work for (laughs) the contractors. Excellent. That's That's the goal, at least. I mean, the contractors are busy doing their job, so we want to make it as as um, easy as possible. Absolutely. And where would they send it? Like, how would they approach that? They can send that to me. They can either send it to me directly, which I think you usually give the contact information. We also have a general mailbox editor at codingspromag.com. So that's another way to do it. And then now that we have our new editor on board. She'll be helping with that as well. People can also, anytime they want, just ping us through social media. That's a really good way to kind of just say, hey, I'm interested in, in sharing this project. Shoot me your email and I'll, and I'll send you the info. That, that also works. Awesome. That's perfect. Now, is there anything about NACE or you that I, I haven't asked, that I, but I should have? You touched on the one thing I was thinking I wanted to make sure we just mentioned that Yes. We do want to hear from our readers. So I think a lot of people are hesitant. I'm not sure why, but it seems like, like I said earlier, they, oh, my project's not special enough. You know, that's never true. So we always want to hear about projects that are going on. We want to be able to tell people's stories and we really want to tell real stories. So the only way to do that is to talk to real contractors. (laughs) The pictures are not made up. So those really, those come from people in the field. The only other piece of advice I'd maybe give, and I, I've learned this, in addition to kind of picking up meditation, I've learned one of the things my, my mom taught me very early on with working from home in particular is don't let work poison your Sunday. So if I start thinking about work on my Sunday, I just have to, I've trained myself to stop, stop doing it because 
I really do need to check out for two days to be able to do a good job. So I think that that's a really good kind of lesson that I'd like to share with your listeners too, is give yourself some time to take a break. Perfect. It's, I think that's always good advice, being able to give yourself a little bit of time to rest so you can perform at your best. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I think it's very useful. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, definitely learn some things about you and Nace that I did not know before. So appreciate very much. Well, that's it for today. And I want to thank the listeners for listening to Specify. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, please forward it to them and send me a note or drop me a comment if you have any feedback or suggestions. I want to thank you and I'll see you at the next episode. Talk to you soon. Bye for now. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.